Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. God's just been moving in our church. Uh, We just had our, our new website. We have a whole new system of tracking folks that get saved and these QR codes and all that they've been they've been just a godsend. We got 10 people gave their hearts to the Lord this last two Sundays. Yeah, give God praise for that. We can celebrate that. 10 people just just for the oh, their first time. Let me add that. First time salvations. And uh, nine families first time visitors two Sundays ago. We had four this Sunday. I mean they're just I told us, Steve, we get back to fall, we're going to be in trouble in there. Everybody back from vacation. And uh, so we just ordered 100 chairs and again earlier this year. River Kids is using this space. And so we're, Lord, help us. This is, these are good problems. But Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing. Your church is alive. Your church is moving forward. Father, not only just here, but all across America, Father, there are pockets of of revival and there is a remnant of people that are faithful and praying and God you are you are adding to the church in this day people backsliders are coming back father lord as you said the beginning of the year we're seeing it happen people coming back to the faith and bring in their families and lord we just ask your blessing tonight over our our offering we pray over it lord and and be with us tonight as we look into your word and talk about the holy spirit Can we just right now just pause for a moment and just ask God to just open our hearts to receive the word tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. We've come here on midweek, Wednesday night, middle of the week. Father, we've just positioned ourselves to sit under the teaching of the word. This is what you told us to do. Father, I'm I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm not... I can't do it. I admit my utter dependence upon you, Holy Spirit. Speak through me. Bring the, bring the scriptures alive to us today. Holy Spirit, have your way in our hearts and in our lives. We want more of you. Or Lord, should we say we want to give you more of us? Encourage tonight, I pray. Strengthen us, I pray. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to, we were talking in here during the summer for our life group. We did a um, life group about prayer, prayer of the saints. And these were prayers taken from the Old Testament. Everyone from Hannah to Jabez, we just looked at those prayers and and uh, I just want to continue to talk about prayer, but I want to move this into the, whole, into the New Testament. I want to talk about the Holy Spirit and specifically how he helps us with our prayers and the spirit-filled prayer, spirit-led prayers of Ephesians. I'm actually going to get to Ephesians. So as I was studying and preparing this, I said, you know what, let me lay a little bit of a foundation uh, before we jump into Ephesians in the upcoming weeks. So if you have your Bibles, go with me over to John chapter 14, and I just want to lay a foundation tonight uh, about the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to try to not go down any rabbit trails, hallelujah. 
those of you that was with us this summer, you laugh at that. Yeah, amen. So uh, John chapter 14, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, and I just wanted us to talk about the Holy Spirit and set some uh, foundation uh, up before we get into the prayers and praying with the Holy Spirit. So John 14, Jesus is getting toward the end of his ministry uh, here before he goes and to the cross. So chapter 14, 15, and 16, really 14 and 16, he really talks a lot about the Holy Spirit. I encourage you, if you don't already have a Bible plan or maybe you're looking for something to start reading, that's a good place to read, chapter 14 and 16 of, the Holy, uh, of John, and let the Holy Spirit just minister to you. Do some cross-references, uh, really dig deep into it, and it, it will bless you. So Jesus is talking here, and I just want us to go through it here. Chapter 14, uh, verse 15, let's start there. We'll read here, and then we'll, we'll just kind of move forward. He says, Jesus is talking, If you love me, keep my commandments. Or you can say, you will. The, the new uh, or the main transcript there actually says, you will keep my commandments. So if you have a King James or a New King James, now we learn this and when we, when we do our classes on how to study the Bible, which we will do again this November. I'll be teaching it again in here, how to study your Bible, and we really dig deep into that. But if you've got a Bible, a King James or a New King James, you probably have a little asterisk or, or italicized word. If you've got a King James, whenever you have an italicized word there, that means that's not the original word in, in Greek. Or there was no word in the Greek, so they put it there in English for us to understand. Uh, and so it, I'm telling you what that original translation is saying is very powerful. Jesus said, if you uh, love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, it's okay if you don't know all of that, because if you keep reading later on in the chapter, he says that exact same thing again. So sooner or later, you get that understanding. I'm just telling you now. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then, of course, you can go to First John, and he tells us that again. And then Jesus says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. I want you to underline that in your Bible. If you write in your Bible, which you can, God's not going to get mad at you. He wants you to write and highlight. If you're using an electrical, uh, uh, digital form, uh, well, you're, I don't know how to do that, whatever. But that's important key words right there, another helper. That's what I want to focus on. Then that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has many names. The spirit of truth is one of the most common names. He will, whom the world cannot receive. So people, the world doesn't have the Holy Spirit. The world has the spirit of the world. They don't understand the things of God. Without the Holy Spirit, you cannot even see or even understand the things of God. Jesus said in John chapter 3, earlier in this book, writing to a Pharisee, a teacher of the law, he says, unless you are born of the Spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And then he goes and says, unless you're born again, you will not enter. But the first thing he says, you can't see. In other words, you cannot even see the things of God. You don't understand the Bible. There's no understanding without the Holy Spirit. Well, I can't wait to get to Ephesians because we're going to pick that apart. The Holy Spirit, he's the helper. One of the things he does is he helps us understand. So the spirit of truth in the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. 
but you know him, for he dwells with you. Now, this is very important. Underline this. For he dwells with you, and he will be in you. Everybody say, will be. He will be in you. What's he talking about? The Holy Spirit at this time. I know I've taught series on this, and you probably already know it, but if not, just a little recap. The Holy Spirit up until this point was not dwelling within people. Like all those prayers we did in this summer about the prayers of the saints, uh, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would come upon people. He would not dwell in people. Uh, I don't want to go too far into explaining why that is. Well, we needed Jesus to die. A good scripture to write down if you're taking notes. Please take notes Wednesday nights. Amen. Uh, John 7, 37. That's the hallmark scripture that kind of is one of the pieces to the puzzle of understanding the Holy Spirit. John 7, 37 says the Holy Spirit was not yet given until Christ was di- uh, died and rose again. So the Holy Spirit's not given yet. He just dwelled with people. He would come upon Elijah, and Elijah would outrun the chariots of Ahab. The Holy Spirit would come upon people, upon Samson. He would come upon all these, uh, David and all these different people in the Bible. He would come upon people. But Jesus said, this is a promise that Jesus made to us, that the Holy Spirit would dwell within you. Can you just think about that for a moment? The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, dwells in you and me. Think about that. That right there will change your life forever. I mean, we really, when we really grasp it. We need the Holy Spirit's help, and I'll show you that in Ephesians, to even understand that. Because you're like, oh, yeah, God dwells in me. Yeah, When you really, really, and this was the prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians, that we would understand that right there, how much power we have. Okay. So the Holy Spirit was not with people until Jesus died and rose again. I really believe personally the reason why the Holy Spirit was not able to dwell within man is because there wasn't, we were too unclean. We were not holy enough to contain the holy God of heaven. The blood of animals and sacrifices and the ceremonies, they just covered sin. They didn't remove the sin, right? Is this going on a rabbit trail? I'm sorry. But anyway, Hebrews, it tells us that Jesus, his blood satisfied and made atonement. His blood was good enough to not just cover sin, but remove sin. Amen? And uh, that has made us, and this is, I'm going to get to this in a few minutes, the righteousness of God so that the Spirit of God can dwell in us. That's why we're able to do it. Jesus had to die. He paid the price for us to have his Spirit dwelling in us. That's what Jesus is saying here. So let me just give you this before we go over to chapter 16 is another helper. This is important. Jesus said, I'm going to send to you another helper. The word another there means uh, another of the same kind. Jesus was saying, I'm going to send you someone who's just like me. So in other words, the Holy Spirit doesn't do anything that contradicts what Jesus taught. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that dwells in you, how you know what's the Holy Spirit? Well, it should line up with what the Bible says. It should line up with the teaching of the Lord. Because Jesus said, I'm going to send you the same kind that I have. It's the same. We're in harmony. And he's going to be with you. He's another. And then helper. That's a very important word. That's the Greek word para, parakletos. Para, okay? Para, it means to come alongside. Speaking of first responders, paramedics. 
The word para, what's a paramedic? A paramedic is not really a doctor, although they're trained in medicine, but the job of a paramedic is to what? Come alongside of a doctor and to give assistance to you until they get you to the hospital. They're paramedics. And if you look in the back of an ambulance, what's amazing is you can actually see the, the pole with the snake or the serpent around there. Anyone has ever seen that? I know you've all seen that, but do you realize that that is actually a scripture? That's, that's the serpent that God told Moses to make in Exodus and in Numbers. And those that were uh, bitten by the serpents and had the plague, whoever looked upon that pole with the serpents on it was healed. It's a, it's a fascinating story. That represented Christ. That was another typology of the Old Testament of Jesus Christ, that whoever looks upon Christ will be healed. And that is on the back of our ambulances and first responders, and that's still a symbol in medicine today, and that is from the Scripture. But here's the thing I want you to get. He's the helper. He's not the doer. This is so important. I love what Melinda was talking about earlier, and she's talked about the, Holy, the Lord will tell us to do something, okay? Uh, we still have to obey him. That's what Jesus is saying here. The Holy Spirit's not going to do it for us. He'll do it with us. He's the helper. He will help you. He'll, he'll tell you to go and ask for forgiveness, or he'll tell you to go and forgive someone. You, gotta, you and I got to do the forgiving, but he's going to help us do it. And before you have the Holy Spirit, you can't do any of these things. But when the helper comes, when the helper comes, when you get the helper living in you, you're able to do these things that God tells us to do. He's the helper. My father-in-law, he's a mechanic, and uh, over the years, he would help me fix my car. He did not believe in paying for a mechanic to do anything on your car, basically. He was, he's old school. What are you going to pay to get your brakes done, boy? You know, just get some brakes and come over here. And so I would. I'd go get some. My car needed brakes. I went and got some brake pads and everything brought it over. And I'm thinking he's going to do it, you know, for me. <laughs> Seriously. I got over there and he would go, okay, get, get, where's the car at? I said, it's out front. He goes, bring it around back. I got the jack in the back. I'll be out there in a minute. And I got, but I got my clothes on. You know, I'm 18. I got my little gold chain. You know, I got, he says, you're going to get dirty. Or he'd say this, your hands are washable, Eddie. I'd say, I know. So I, I'd go out there, and he ain't coming, and it's getting late. He'd say, take the tire off. i take the tire off. I'm out there 20 minutes, you know, when this guy come? And finally he'd come out, pull up a milk cart, light up a cigarette, and said, okay, get to work. <laughs> I said, I don't know what I'm doing. He said, I'm your helper, not your doer. And he'd take a screwdriver, and he would walk me through but I was the one that had to get dirty. This is exactly what Jesus is teaching. The Holy Spirit is the one that will help us. He ain't going to do it for us. He will help us, though. And when you obey him, it was amazing how when I followed his instructions, I, I did that job on that car. I eventually ended up rebuilding a motor in my car, my Mustang, had a busted piston ring from the engine block up with a helper. It's amazing what we could do when we rely on the helper. But that's important for us to know is the Holy Spirit is a helper. He's not the doer. That's why whatever he tells you to do, he's going to help you do it. He's going to call you to do something. He'll have you step out in faith, get involved in a ministry, start in the ministry, share your faith with that coworker. I don't know, whatever it is, whatever he tells you to do, this is just for somebody here today. I want you to know, don't be afraid. He will help you do it. He will help you do it. And when you obey him, you're, you'll see that he's helped you do it, and your faith is strengthened. 
You're like, whoa, this really works. When I got finished, I was like, wow, the old man knows what he's talking about. Wow, this stuff really works. Okay, go over to John chapter 16. Jesus continues his teaching of the Holy Spirit throughout this two chapters, but let's get to verse or to chapter 16. And look at verse 5, and we'll we'll kind of land in here a little bit. He says in verse 5, But now I go away to him, that's his father, that's God, who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Now, this is, let's not be too hard on the, the disciples. They've been with Jesus for three years. They've seen him do miracles. They know he's the Messiah. They, I mean, they got it. And then he looks at him and he's telling them, listen, I, I'm going to not be here forever. I, I'm getting ready to go away back to God. They didn't understand it fully, but could you just imagine? They thought, again, they thought Jesus was there to overthrow Rome. They, they are still there. And this is actually, little, here I go rabbit trail a little bit, but this is a little side road. This is what got Judas hung up. Judas did not like this whole idea of Jesus suffering in all of this. But Jesus is preparing them. And I love what he says, and he says, don't be sad, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. It is for your benefit, he's telling them, that I go away. For if I do not go away, here it is again, the helper, he will not come to you. Again, I think they were, he's, he's saying he knew, Jesus knew that it would be his blood that would make the atonement and satisfy the law of sin. They couldn't handle that right now. He would try to tell them that little by little, but they couldn't handle it. I'll show you in a minute why. But Jesus knew that his death would be necessary for them to receive the Holy Spirit. He will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he, and I love if you underline the word he here, it's amazing, You'll notice the Holy Spirit is not an it, right? We know that. He's not a force. He's not, he's not it or a wind. Those are just symbols of who he is. He is a person. He is the third person of the Trinity. He is God. He is God in the Spirit. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. If I could say it like this, God, when, when you and I ask for help and when you and I ask for our prayers to be answered, you know, we pray to God, but you know who does the actual work? It's the Holy Spirit. It's not Jesus either. Jesus is not going to come from heaven and change our tire. It is not. The Bible says he is at the right hand of the Father where he forever makes intercession, which, by the way, doesn't mean he's up there praying and interceding. It means his blood, I really believe this, and Hebrews can back it up, his blood is still in heaven, and that is what makes intercession on behalf of you and I. He is there. We know he's standing at the right hand of God. When Stephen was stoned, Jesus gave him a standing ovation. He, he's there, but he's not praying. He represents, he represents the advocate, the mediator. His presence is who he is. And by the way, God the Father, he did his work in seven days, actually six days, and then he took a nap. And then Jesus came and he did his job for 33 years. What did he say when he got on the cross? It is finished. What was finished? His job. God did his job, Jesus did his job, and guess whose job it is now to work with you and me every day, every moment of the day? It's the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. Come on. That's who it is. That's who it is. Jesus is saying like this, those of you wrestling fans, you guys remember, you know, your tag team back in the day when wrestling was real, you had like the British Bulldogs. (laughs) 
they would do the, they would tag me in, tag me in, right? And once you tag, here comes the other guy. Same way what Jesus did. Jesus tag teamed the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that is working in the earth today. And Jesus could not be everywhere all the time. He, he couldn't be. He was, he was in a man's body. He could not be everywhere all the time. But the Spirit of God is, and the Spirit of God can. Don't try to understand it. Just believe it. Jesus tried to explain it to a very educated man in John 3. And the man said, I can't get it. I don't understand. And Jesus said, you are a teacher and you can't get it. Come on, Nicodemus. He said, let me break it down for you. He said, you see the wind? Nicodemus says, yeah, kind of. He goes, that's the same way with the Holy Spirit. You don't know when the wind comes. You don't know where it goes. You can just see the manifestations of where the wind is, but you can't see the wind. Same way with the Holy Spirit. You don't know where he's at, but you can see the manifestation when he's working. You can tell when he's working in you, when you got more love, when you got more compassion, when you got more patience. Why? These are the fruits of what? The Holy Spirit. You get me fired up on Wednesday. Come on, we're going to be calm tonight. No, we don't. Hallelujah. Help me, Jesus. That's right. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It's his job now that he does. But he, he, he's a person. He's a person. Jesus said, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he, he will convict. And, and let's land here tonight. He does these three things. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. That's a big amen right there. The ruler of this world is judged. And uh, let's look at verse 12. This kind of, I said I'd come to this. This explains why Jesus wasn't able to go real deep with them. He says, I I want you to see this. Everybody misses this verse, but I want you to see it now in the context of what we've read. He said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. What's he talking about? They don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't have the Holy Spirit. He says, I want to go deep, and I want to tell you things, and I I got much more than I want to tell you, but you're not able to handle it right now. How do you know he's talking about the Holy Spirit? Look at the very next word. However, when he, look at him, there he goes. When he, come on somebody, see that? When he, the spirit of truth comes. That's exactly what he's talking about. You're not able to understand it. And and I'm going to show you, listen, when you and I get saved, we receive the Holy Spirit. We know this. You're born of the Holy Spirit. But we all know there is another work of the Holy Spirit, a second grace of the Holy Spirit, being full to overflowing of the Holy Spirit. This little thing has water in it, right? It's got water in it. When you get saved, the water is like the Holy Spirit. You're saved, you're on your way to heaven. But I'll show you in Ephesians, and many of you know this, amen. Jesus says, don't be satisfied with that. I have... Uh, an unending amount. I have a reservoir. And if I could take a, a, a water hose right now, I would demonstrate to you what God wants us to do and fill this up to overflowing. That is what the Lord is wanting from all of us. He's wanting you to be overflowing with the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You know why? Because you leak. Because we leak. You're going to need it. You need it. Sunday was awesome. I love, we love being in the presence of God. Here we are Wednesday. We need it again. We need more. 
And you're going to wake up in the morning, you're going to need more. Right? You get, so this is where, you know, the church, we just help feed you and celebrate what God's done in your life. But we can't live by Sunday alone. We can't even live by Sunday and Wednesday alone. Come on, somebody. You can't live by going to life group Sunday and Wednesday. You need and I need the Holy Spirit every single day of our life. Don't you? We do. We need them. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit, if you're taking notes, you write these three down. We'll really go deep into this. I'm preparing our ETS level two, so this stuff is fresh in my mind. It's not in my notes, but I'll give them to you. The three functions of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is to be born of the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, and to walk with the Spirit. These are the three functions that you will find in the entire New Testament. It's the verbiage and terminology of Luke the writer of Acts, as well as Paul and Peter. You get, you get born of the Spirit is necessary for eternal life. Being filled with the Spirit is necessary for the work of Christ. And to walk with the Spirit is necessary to have victory over the flesh. Y'all with me tonight? Did you get some coffee? Hallelujah. That's what the Holy Spirit does, those three things. And so... Here, he said, I got more to tell you. I got more to tell you. And he does tell them after the, after the day of Pentecost. Actually, when he rose again from the dead, he breathed on them, gave them the Holy Spirit. Then he told them to go wait. They went and waited. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. There's part two. There's the second work of grace. And then the Holy Spirit is just all full in the New Testament. Paul comes along in Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians, and tells us, he tries to help us understand what does it mean to walk with the Spirit and all of those things. But these He tells them right here what we just read, tells them three very important truths, and I think they're very generic. These are the three main generic uh, beginning truths that the Holy Spirit does. And again, I wanted to set a little foundation because it's going to make sense as we go into prayer how this, uh, this works with that as we go forward. So he says it there. He says when the Holy Spirit comes, he tells you he will do three things, and these are the three main important truths that he does. He says he will convict of sin. Now, let me tell you something. The word convict there, it means to convince. It's a better word would be convince. It'd be convict means to convince. So you can write this down. He will convince us of what is sin. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So one of, one of his very first jobs on earth is to convince us of what is sin. It's what he does in the earth. He convinces us, just think about it, before you even get saved. You know, it's the Holy Spirit that leads you and us to God. Right? John chapter 6, Jesus said, no man can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. That's his job. He, He drew every one of us somewhere, sometime in our life, to God. How did he do it? He showed us, watch this, that we needed a Savior. Some of us. Someone said that one of the things Jesus come to do is he come to show the saved, that he come to get the saved lost and the lost saved. The saved lost was the Pharisees because they believed they were already saved. And one of the hardest things in the world to do is to convince someone who's really lost and thinks they're saved to really convince them that they're lost. It's called religion. Everybody say religion. And I get it all the time. It's so funny. I was meeting the new person. I was telling you down here in Belleville. I was talking with him. They said, oh, what time is your mass? 
It's like, okay. Ten thirty Sunday. You know, I, I don't even have just 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 come. <laughs> This is on our podcast. We'll cut that right out of our podcast, all right? Oh, hallelujah. Yeah, they're going to be here five minutes and be like, okay. So, Jesus, help us. The Holy Spirit, he shows us that we need a Savior. And it's a beautiful thing to be convicted or feel the convincing of the Holy Spirit. You do see this in the Old Testament when King David cut the the robe off of Saul. The Bible says his heart smote him. That was conviction. The Spirit of God was with David. The Spirit of God came upon David a lot. Jesus even said that. One of the most, uh, besides Daniel, he was one of the most uh, Old Testament person that had the Spirit of God working in his life so much. But you see the convincing or convicting uh, work of the Holy Spirit there. That's his job, is to convince us that we need a Savior. What did Paul write in Timothy? That the, the law is good if you know how to use it. The law was not you, is not meant for a righteous person, right? He said the law was meant for the unrighteous to show them that they have sinned. If you know how to use it correctly is what he said. One of the first things he does, the Holy Spirit, is he, he convicts us. He convinces us of what is sin. Now, let's move that into once you're saved. Once you're saved, the Holy Spirit is in you. He will lead and guide you into all truth. As I've said it before, he won't stop you from sinning, but he'll stop you from enjoying it. That's one of the uh, ways you know you're saved, by the way. I could take you over to 1 John where he says, Once he that is born again does not continue to sin because his seed remains in him. For you know who is of the devil and who is of God. For the one who continues to sin is the one that's of the devil, but the one that works righteousness is that of God because his seed remains in him and he cannot sin. Whoa, what is that all about, Pastor Eddie? Well, that simply means this. Once you get saved... For a believer to live in a constant pattern of sin contradicts the very nature of a holy God living in you. Y'all ready for this? So, so it makes no sense. It's a contradiction to our salvation that we can continue the way we were before we met Christ. If that's the case, the Spirit of God, we haven't had a, an encounter with the real Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. Now, does that mean you're not going to be, uh, you're never going to sin? No, no, if you keep reading, even in 1 John, you cannot continue to sin and enjoy it. That's the, like I said, that is the big difference that you know you've gotten saved. The Spirit of God is in you because he will let you know. He will let you know when you have grieved the Holy Spirit when you sin. That's his job. And it's not to be like, you know, my little grandson, we're teaching him boundaries again. No, we're teaching him no, right? And we, we do that because we're not being mean. And he's so young, he thinks we're taking all the fun things away from him, right? No, 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 don't, you know, he pulls my heat vent duct right out, man, and starts pulling the, the things out. And it's, it's like, that's not a toy. He's like, he laughing and smiling. He can get cut. He can get hurt down there. So the Holy Spirit, that's what he does. He, he's, he's keeping us. And we know this, but sometimes we've got to be reminded of it. But that's what he does. He convicts us of sin, and he convinces us of what is right and what is wrong. When you walk with the Holy Spirit long enough, 
Hebrews tells us this, a mature Christian, are you ready for the definition of a mature Christian? A mature Christian, according to Hebrews, is one who was able to discern between good and evil. That's it. That's it. Someone who, by exercise and by experience, who's, who's able to discern the voice of the Lord and say, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't say that. And when you do, oh, forgive me, God. My heart is grieved. That's when you're walking with the Holy Spirit. That's his job. That's what he does. He also uses us as carriers of his spirit to be what? To be the salt of the earth, to be the light of the world. There's where all that teaching comes in. Your light is not the light of the world. My light's not the light of the world, but the Holy Spirit is the light. The Holy Spirit in me is the light. We are the salt. We are the ones that are are the ones that are speaking out. We're God's righteous standard in our culture today. Back into the end times teaching. Remember I, I showed you out of 2 Thessalonians, it says that he that is holding back the Antichrist even right now will be moved out of the way and then all lawlessness will come and be just puked out onto our streets. The Bible teaches that. Who is that righteous one that he's holding back the sin of the way? It's the Holy Spirit in the church. That's us. That's us. You imagine if you remove the Christians from society, there's no one that's going to say, don't do that. You imagine that. There, there's no one that's going to say, no, aliens aren't real. Those are demons or those are some, you know, they're going to believe in anything because we're going to be removed out of the way. We, we are called when the Holy Spirit is in our life. We're the light of the world. Wherever you are at work, wherever you are in your community, you, you're there to be, uh, to be the light of that community. Sometimes we forget that. I love Proverbs. It says, he who waters will be watered himself. Proverbs, I think it's 24. It says, he who waters, he who shares his faith, he who helps people, shares the gospel, you are watering, spiritually watering a soul. Proverbs says, those that do that will be watered and refreshed themselves. I think sometimes we get stagnant just simply because the Holy Spirit is in us wanting so bad to help someone change their brakes, to help us move forward, to help us live for him, to help us do what is right, and we just don't obey him, and we end up becoming stagnant and it hurts us. Okay, that's enough. Let's go. He will convince us of sin. Number two, he will convince us of righteousness. This is important. This is really going to get... Uh, important as we talk about prayer. He assures us, is a better word, is another word you can use. One of the jobs the Holy Spirit does is he, he assures us that we are saved. Look at Romans. You got that on the screen. Romans 8. I love this. Romans 8 says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear when you received Christ. He said, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, you need to understand that word adoption. People say, we're all God's children. That's a lie. We're his species. The human species God created them, but we are not all children of God. Jesus told the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil, because the desires he has, you want to do. So we know we're not all God's children. This is important to know theologically because sometimes people say, well, once you're a child, you're always a child and all this. You know, we've been adopted. Ephesians 2 says we are children of wrath. 
deserving God's punishment and righteous judgment. That'll hurt your inner child. But it's important to say, okay, and allow the Holy Spirit to help you understand because that really shows you that you need a Savior. Remember Charles uh, Spurgeon said, you've got to preach the gospel. You've got to give them 90% of hell and 10% of the gospel. He said, because hell, you've got to chase them to the cross. <laughs> and that's so true sometimes because we think we're so good. But this is a good verse here. It shows us that we, we've been adopted by whom we cry, Abba, Father. This is the Greek word means daddy. Look here. The Spirit himself, which is what he does. This is what he does. the first thing he'll do in your life. After he's convicted you of sin, he's drawn you to God. Now he will bear witness with your spirit, because we are body, soul, and spirit, made in the image of God, triune with a free will. Our spirit becomes born again. It becomes connected. It becomes alive, sozo, saved, healed, delivered, restored. It it means all of that. That word saved us by the Spirit of God, but this is what he does. He bears witness or he affirms that we are children of God. I love that. And this is important because many people struggle with the fact that they are saved. How do I know I'm saved? Is it a feeling? It's believing. This verse right here. But if you really stop and pay attention, I'm sure that you can recall a time when you felt something from God that you were saved, a peace. I tell people, I always explain it like this. It was like sliding safe into home plate when I got saved. Because I was always running. <laughs> For me, I didn't really see an angel or nothing spectacular, but there was, when I prayed that prayer and committed my life to Jesus Christ, there was, it was different than all the other times I said, God, if you get me out of this one, I'll serve you. And he did, and I, it was different. How many can say, I, I do recall an inner witness, a calmness when I got saved? Amen. How many? I mean, man, good, good. There should be like, yeah, a release, a clearing of your conscience. Hebrews says he actually does that. He purges our conscience. And you hear songs and you hear people say, man, the sky was bluer and the grass was greener. Lyndall Cooley has those songs. and Man, I can testify to that. Amen. Amen. This is the verse right here. This is, this is what the Holy Spirit does. Why is it so important when you go into prayer? Because many times the enemy will try to convict us or try to condemn us. He'll try to shame us. He'll try to say, God's not hearing you. You ain't safe. But if you will calm down and stop and listen for the Holy Spirit, he'll bring you this scripture. He will give you assurance that you belong to God. Your sins are forgiven and you are the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Here's another verse. The greatest gospel verse in the entire New Testament. 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin. Come on, you know it. To become your sin and my sin. He became our sin. I know I really drove this home on Easter weekend, and I do it every Easter weekend. Resurrection. That is so important for people to know. He became sin so that we can become the righteousness of God. Now, this is the second point. The Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of sin and to convict of righteousness. Now, this is where I really need to show you something. There are two kinds of righteousness 
that we have in our society today. One is right and one is wrong. This is important. I still deal with this today, and I'm sure you do too, talking with people. They say stuff like, you needed Jesus, Eddie. You needed a Jesus. Me and the man upstairs, we're okay. I pay my taxes. You know, I give, you know, to Red Cross, and I do good, and I've been faithful to my wife for the most part. You know, she ain't caught me, whatever. And uh, so we, I mean, th- there's this, this, this kind of, you know, you heard it, you, you know, people in your family and co-workers, that's the righteousness of man. That's when we compare our good works with other people's good works. That's called the righteousness of man. The righteousness that comes from the law. Theologically, it's called the righteousness from the law. In other words, if you obey the law, then you're made righteous. And there is a good feeling when we do something good. It is a very good idea that you don't cheat on your wife. It's very, very good. You're going to have a lot more better, happy, successful marriage if you don't. You know, it's good that you don't rob people and, and hurt people. It's good that you don't lie. There is a, it, it, for the Christian, it shouldn't be a self-righteous, but a self-affirming that you're obeying and doing what God's called you. But here's the thing. None of that, even if you obeyed the, the good commandments, and even if we were really, really good and we gave uh, money and gave everything we have. The Apostle Paul says you can give your body to be burned. But if we don't have love, if we don't have the relationship that comes with God, it's, it's righteousness from our own works and it's no good. It's not good enough. That's the problem. It's not good enough to satisfy a holy God. That's the job of the Holy Spirit is to come along and to show us convince us of what the real righteousness of God, the real righteousness is, and that's the second righteousness, the one that's correct. That's called the righteousness from God. Did I give you Philippians back there? Put Philippians in. You guys probably heard this. Paul, the great apostle, he is getting into a little bit of a debate over who is holier than who with the church in Philippi. He is a very educated man, but he's, the Apostle Paul was not a very good public speaker. They would make fun of him because of his speaking. They said his speaking is not impressive, but his letters are very impressive. Uh, he, he, was, he was beaten. He was, uh, you know, left for dead. He was not the super apostle that we would, we would think of today. And so people, these super apostles were coming behind him to his churches that he started and would say, you know, Paul thinks he's got the revelation, but... No, 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 he don't have the whole revelation of God. And they would try to confuse the people. And so in Philippians, Paul really goes off on them and he starts telling them something. He says, listen, if anybody has a right to brag that they are righteous according to the old way before Christ came, he said, I am the guy. And then he gives us a little list. He said, I was circumcised on the eighth day, that's exactly what the law said, of the stock of Israel from the tribe of Benjamin. He is a thoroughbred Jewish male, circumcised exactly according to the ceremony requirements, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Look, concerning the law, I was a teacher, an educated Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. And then he said, concerning the righteousness, here it is, here's the first righteousness, the righteousness which is in the law, The righteousness that gives me a pat on my back, you know, I'm a pretty good guy, you know. He said, I was blameless. I was perfect. He was the most 
holiest, noblest person that you can meet. There's a lot of good people, you know, that we know. You probably know some good people. Maybe, you know, you're some good people. But he said the Holy Spirit came into his life and showed him verse 7, which is, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. I have suffered the loss of all things, watch this, and I count them as rubbish or dung. King James says dung. Y'all know what dung is, don't you? Out in the farming community, yes, we do. He says, all of the good stuff that I did, the giving of the money, you know, and the, the time, circumstances, the eighth day, followed the law. And that must have been a huge blow. He's an older man by this time when he got converted. So he's like, all that that I've done. <laughs> all, and th- this is really where I try to bring it home to people and I start telling them about being born again. You know, I start witnessing, sharing my faith, talking to people. And they go, oh, yeah, you're a chaplain, or oh, yeah, you're a pastor. You know, well, I'm, I'm Catholic, I'm Lutheran, or I'm Baptist, and that's good. It's awesome. You go to church? Where do you go to church at? You know, we start talking to get some common ground, and over a while I begin to talk to them, and I say, you, you know, and we start getting into a little bit deeper. Long story short, somewhere in there we'll get into something. Even if I back off and I'm quiet, they always come. So what do you think of this? Somewhere in there I come to this point right here. Jesus said you got to be born again. You ever hear about being born again? And those responses are always different, but that's exactly where I take them. And I tell them, being Lutheran, being Catholic, you know, those are just labels. But Jesus come not to start a denomination. He did not come to start an organization. He came to show us how to have a relationship with the living God. I've never had, except for one guy in Ann Arbor that told me he would like to do to me what they did to my Lord. Other than him, I'll never forget him. He's an atheist guy who I almost got him at least thinking about God by the time I left that job. 99.9% of the time, when you explain it like that, you'll have people say, oh, let me hear more. Let me hear more. And then I get to them to the point where, and the hardest part for a person is to do this right here, is to admit, if they did grow, grow up as a staunch fill in the blank. They have to get to the place to receive this, to say, my whole life, and this is why it's so hard for some to come to know Christ. My mom, my grandma, all were good, but wasn't good enough. And it's hard for people to get to that point and say, like Paul did, I count that all as rubbish so that I may know Christ. Because that was good, but it wasn't good enough compared to the righteousness. Now let's go to verse 9. Here's the good part. He says that I may gain Christ, watch this, and be found in him, not having that one righteousness that comes from being a good person, but which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that which is from God. So you got to ask yourself, do you want to have the righteousness that comes from being a good person? Or do you want the righteousness that comes from God? You see the two righteousness right here? Paul said, as good as this makes us feel, when you taste of this and grasp and understand this, 
You'll say that is nothing but a pile of filthy rags or manure compared to the righteousness that comes from God. Shoo. The only way you'll ever say that is if the Holy Spirit is working in your life. You can't do it. No one can say Jesus is Lord except for the Holy Spirit. You and I need the Holy Spirit before you can even go before God and ask him for it. Why talk about prayer until we get the fundamentals down first? Because we ain't good enough to do anything. Paul said, I'll take that any day. So let's talk about that righteousness just for a minute. Is that clock right? We're supposed to end at 815 the power goes out, and when it does, the clock resets. And so I don't know if the clock is okay. We'll pick it up next time. Ah, I wanted to show you the last thing, if you're taking notes, the last thing. He helps convince us that the enemy has been defeated. That would have been good. He, con- he convicts us of sin. He convicts us of righteousness or convinces us of righteousness. And then thirdly, he convinces us that the enemy's been defeated so good. But I'm going to have to leave you with verse 12. And it says, and I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. (laughs) I will end with that. (laughs) Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in and God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people. And you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.